everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith, and I am joined by Michael Miller and Pastor Daniel Yelverton again today. Um, it is Tuesday, November 20th, and today our chapter of the day, uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, is 1 Peter 2. Um, so guys, what's what's been going on with you this last week since we last recorded? Anything special? Man, special? Y'all, y'all don't even want to know. Uh, <laughs> we just finished Fight Club. Uh, so that's pretty awesome. We went through 10 weeks. Uh, we had about, gosh, has it been 10 weeks? It's been 10 weeks. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, I tortured Michael for 10 weeks. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, it doesn't look like it was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, um, yeah, didn't, didn't quite meet my weight goal that I wanted to. The gusts of wind were too, too full of calories. Um, so So you guys didn't fast for the entire last three days of the week. last. I know we said we would, but I I (laughs) just, just not possible. Plus my parents came in town. So that made it even increasingly impossible. Uh, so yeah, so it was a, but it's been, it's been good. Wow. Let me share one thing real quick. I, I've, uh, if you guys couldn't tell, I have a sinus thing that I've been fighting for like two weeks now. Um, Speaking of fasting, I read a report the other day that said they've done studies that found that if you do a 72-hour fast, it completely resets your immune system. It, yeah. it stimulates your stem cells to like grow a whole new immune system for you. So as soon as I get over this thing, I will be doing a 72-hour fast because I do not want to get another one of these this winter. I, I read something, no joke, I read something about like long fasting like for several days too that it does weird things to your brain, obviously. Weird but, things, but, huh? But in a good way, like at first... You know, you go through you go through the natural you know issues of, of fasting, and you're just miserable and all this. Yeah. And then and then you get to this point where you have virtually no energy, and you're kind of um, spaced out a bit. Oh yeah. And then I've that's like there. after three days. These these folks are doing like seven day fasts. That's dangerous. That's crazy. Well, and, and they're doing it like for research. So I mean, it was medical doctors and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then after like day five or six, they they stopped really even being hungry. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were able to deal with it. I don't know, but then their their mental capacity actually increased. Like they were almost like a euphoric kind of thing as far as you know wisdom and such is concerned. Really interesting. Wow. But I don't think I'll ever get to that, that <laughs> no. point. The longest I've ever done is like fifty hours, maybe. Yeah. And that like the first day is miserable. You're just like, all you can think about is food. The second day, you kind of break through a barrier. You don't have a lot of energy, but you're not that hungry anymore. But then you're like me, I was just going like, okay, I need food. Like my body needs food for me to survive. Like mm-hmm. at that point, you know, so I broke the fast, but I don't think I could go. I'm going to go 72 hours. I'm going to make myself do it, but I don't, I'm, there's no way I'm going for six days, seven days, like no. unless can, I have to, cause I'm in prison or something. Like, I don't think I'm going there. Can we, uh, can we make sure that we record the podcast at the end of the 72 hours? So, so like time it to where yeah, like yeah, we're recording yeah. it then. I was actually Just, contemplating yesterday, like what three days out of my life would be the best to do this? Because there is going to be a lot of things going on yeah. with me. Well, and then the holidays are coming up too. And so you got Thanksgiving yeah. and then family's hanging out. So you know, yeah. you should totally be a jerk in, uh, well, we've already missed. No, it that'll now. probably happen when I'm fasting for seventy-two maybe, hours. Maybe, anyway. maybe, maybe in Christmas. That's what you should do. Like when everybody gets together. Like, no, I'm I'm fasting, guys. I can't. Oh, have this I know, beautiful right? Christmas yeah. dinner. Well, yeah. you got Thanksgiving coming up, so you could do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not fasting through Thanksgiving. Sorry, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe uh, right after. Maybe to kick off December or something. But uh, yeah, there's no way I'm going to fast through Thanksgiving Day <laughs> and be that guy. Yeah. 
Anyway, I, I wish this this chapter was about fasting. That would have been great. Nice. Nothing in here about that. Yeah. Um, I actually just spoke to somebody yesterday that said they do a weekly fast. One day a week they fast every single week, and it helps them stay spiritually connected and just kind of pure, clean. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like focused. And um, I was like, that's pretty awesome. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a spiritual discipline. Like, it's Absolutely. not something. It's not something to do just to lose weight. Like, it's really, oh, yeah, for sure. It's really something that uh, is is great a way to just not only connect with the Father, but just to, it's it's a it's a you're taking away your dependencies that you have either on food or whatever it is, and you're giving that over and trusting the Lord with that, and um, just the just the exercise of adding trust to your life in the Heavenly Father is huge. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think that it's a you know, I don't think that it's a fluke that fasting for three days resets your immune system like yeah. you know you're doing something that you are instructed to do you know you're connecting with the it's heavenly almost like father god more. does what he's doing all right, i know, you know? Right? it's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right did you i mean anything else anybody wants to share before we get started here no i'm good no we're yeah. good yeah all right well guys this is like i said before first peter 2 it's our chapter of the day today uh so here's first peter 2 from the dwell app so put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. 
For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. All right, guys, that's 1 Peter 2. Um, we didn't set up uh, any context yet, so I want to get into that. But first, I want to do a little exercise with you guys. The very first um, section of this uh, says, So put away all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Um, put each one of us on the spot a little bit, um, but I just thought it might be an interesting exercise to find out which one of us. So out of all those things, those are all human nature. Those are all things that through our relationship with Christ, we put those things away. He actually deals with those things in us, puts those things away. Out of those, which one would you say is the one that you don't have a problem with the most? I'll go first. Mine is envy. I typically, I'm never a person that sees other people have things and wants it. Um, I'm not a keep up with the Joneses kind of guy. The other things I deal with. (laughs) I do. Um, So which one out of you guys, which one is the one that you're probably the strongest in not having an issue with? Uh, I I don't know. I'd probably say either envy or slander. Mm -hmm. Um, The same thing. I don't really, when I look at what people have, I don't really go like nuts over it. I just don't, I kind of feel... I like having a little bit of a simpler life, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and But also the slander to it, I'm like, you know, I try to stay as optimistic as I can about people and their intentions and try to always look for good opportunities and not really what I can do to kind of maliciously call people out on anything or, or talk back talk back behind their back, basically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so I, th- I would say probably one of those two. Yeah. Michael? Um, I think it's funny how we're all choosing different things. Um, yeah. Malice. I, I really don't have a mean bone in my body. Mm-hmm. I, I like to be nice to people, so I'm nice to people. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, if if you to get a rise out of me, you have to try to get a rise out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt most of the time. So, yeah, malice. I, I really don't struggle with that. <laughs> like you said, 
some of these other ones I do, you guys <laughs> right. are all like, oh, I don't have any problems with envy. I'm like, well, I will just give me all your stuff because I do. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, so I thought I guess you would... might be envious of Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time. <laughs> oh, right? my goodness. Is that, is that what it is? So, <laughs> we, need, we need a second podcast is what we do. We need to talk <laughs> about that. Just, yeah. um, I just thought that would be a fun exercise. I heard that and immediately that spoke to me this morning. And at first I was like, oh, let's talk about which one we struggle with the most. And I was like, let's probably not do that. Let's talk about what we don't struggle with with just to see where we are with each one of those things. So anyway, um, let's get into, if you guys wouldn't mind, a little bit of context on 1 Peter. Uh, because from hearing this, I obviously, it sounds like he's, he's kind of talking to newer Christians. Is that true or is that not true? Or, he, so, yeah, yeah. So Peter, this is, um, this is the Apostle Peter, just mm-hmm. so you guys know. This is uh, Peter, the uh, disciple of Jesus, one of the three of Jesus' closest disciples, the leader of the church that we see in Acts chapter 1 through 10, um, and his role in um, just sparking the whole Jesus movement called the Way in Jerusalem. And so he is now writing from Rome. Uh, we'll find that out later on. And he is writing to uh, believers in Asia Minor. And they um, he is basically... It's interesting, His the way his... His terminology is really interesting in this. He, he keeps calling people uh, uh, selected exiles. That's how he o- opens it up. And then he, you see this later on in the chapter that we were reading. He was, mm-hmm. calls them sojourners. And, and really what he's doing is he is he's making a lot of correlation in this book, uh, or sorry, in this letter, uh, to some of the, uh, the response that God was doing with the Israelites. So he calls them like a priesthood, a, a temple, uh, to kind of relate to some of the things that he was very familiar with being a Jewish um, believer of Jesus. And, and so, uh, so anyways, but this, the, what he, the terms that he uses as far as exiles, I think is really important. And it's speaks to, I know we're going to jump a little bit in application, but it speaks a little bit into the identity that, that Peter was trying to call these, uh, followers of Jesus because they were under heavy persecution. I mean, there was yeah so much going on in the culture that wanted to basically, uh, eradicate Christianity and everything bad that happened in the culture they blamed Christians for. You know, they were Christians were the ultimate scapegoat for everything because they didn't believe in the pantheon of gods. They didn't believe that you pray to the god of this so you'll have a good harvest or whatever it is. They believed in one god, and so and when a bad harvest came, they blamed the Christians because the Christians didn't believe in the god of the good harvest or whatever it was. And so this was a constant thing kind of going on, and so. Paul, uh, sorry, Peter. I'm gonna probably mess that up again. Peter, um, Paul and Mary. Paul, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Peter, uh, he, um, I think he's writing to them to secure their hope in the midst of persecution that they are exiles, just like the Jewish people were exiles. They're sojourners. They're not. This is not where they belong. They belong in eternity, and that's their home. That's their destination. That's their hope. And living out of that perspective, because of that, now this is how you live. And so when we take his imperatives, we take it with the context that we are to be hoping in what Christ has in store for us and not get discouraged by the present situations, present persecution, whatever it may be. And so I think that kind of gives a lot of context. Hashtag nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So observations. The uh, one that I love... Um, that I would love for you, one of you guys to describe Michael, maybe if you would. Um, I would do it, but I'm talking right now, so I don't want to <laughs> talk forever. Sure. Um, but the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
and a stone. I was going to ask Daniel about that. Thanks, thanks, Brent. (laughs) Gotcha. You're welcome, Daniel. (laughs) I know. Uh, Just because I'm typically kind of the lay person that's like, hey, you know, what what does this mean actually for people that might not know? I think the the Cliff Notes easy version is um, Jesus is the rock that we build our foundation on, Mm -hmm. right? And and so uh, we're we're always referring back to this as with Jesus, um, but this one, but this one confused me a bit too because I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone pro- chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builder rejected has come has become the cornerstone. So I'm guessing, Daniel, help me, that must be referring to Christ, right? Because Christ is the, is the one that was rejected, mm-hmm. right? And now he has become the cornerstone. So I'm hoping the parallel here, and I'm hoping I'm not wrong, this is why I'm asking Daniel to help me out here, is that just as Jesus was rejected and he has become the cornerstone, the same thing is happening to them because they are suffering persecution. They're dealing with stuff. Yeah. So just like how Jesus dealt with stuff, but yet he was a cornerstone, they are made in the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I may have jacked that up. So I'm curious, Dan, what do you, what do you think? So Could, the the context of why this is in quotations is this is referring to Old, Old Testament, Testament prophecy. So mm-hmm. uh, the first one comes from Isaiah uh, 20, uh, I think it's, hold on, let me, it's Isaiah 28, uh, verse 16. The next one that says, the stone that the builders have rejected has now become the cornerstone. That is Psalms uh, 118.22, and then the last one that says, then the stone that makes people stumble, rock that makes people fall, that's Isaiah 8.14. Mm-hmm. It's good to, whenever there's references to Old Testament Scripture, to go back and read the entire, like, the Scripture around it to get context. Uh, but he's a lot, a lot of it is, a lot of what uh, Isaiah is prophesying here, uh, that, um, the, or this, and also the, what I guess it would probably be David, the Psalms were not all written by David, but it could be sure. David in, in 118. Is that uh, it's talking about the the Jewish people, the mm-hmm. Jewish people that rejected the Messiah, and so this was the stone that that was rejected, and and that he has now become the cornerstone. He's become the thing that now is everything's built off of. The cornerstone is the most was was for them in context the most important stone of the building. It mm-hmm. was like the most load bearing. It was the one that was going to help create everything that was going to be built off for that structure, yeah. uh, and so. And so, in Jesus being called the cornerstone, he's basically being called. He is the cent. He's the centrality of everything. And yeah. uh, but those that reject him, you know, uh, it, it's a stumbling. It's 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 a stumbling stone because what Jesus is. I mean, it was Jesus was constantly being rejected. It, we even go down later on where it talks about what he went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was constantly being rejected because he represented a different kingdom. And so this is why it's a stumbling stone, because it's going to always be at odds with the kingdom of this world. It's going to it's going to be yeah. offensive because it's going to be so different than what it's, what's going on here. And, and so and but the offense is not uh, through violence, because that's what that culture would understand. That culture would understand power and violence, and that's how they would. That's the language that they would speak. And sure. this this stone is built on a stone of sacrifice and servitude and love, and laying your life down uh, is a way of. Uh, and the last shall be first. And so it's totally counterintuitive to yeah. the culture that this time, of course, but also our culture too. Yeah. And so that's why it can be so, it's so stark, it's such a stark difference that it, it's a stumbling block, yeah. that it's, that it's offensive, that it makes people stumble. Because if you're, if you try to go at odds with this rock or this principle, it, it will cause 
division. It will cause stumbling. And Jesus even said that. He said, I didn't come to bring unity. I came to bring division. And families are going to be fighting each other because of me, because of what I'm bringing and what's coming to this world. And so, um, and I think that, and so this is, this is the hope though. This is because he, because he parallels this with, this is why people reject Jesus. This is why people are rejecting you. This is why you're enduring persecution. And then he says, you know, and then he says, your savior went through that exact same stuff. Right. So, so there, there are some parallels. This, yeah, yeah. So that you, it's, I think it, it's, it's meant to be an encouragement, but it's also meant to show that God is in control because mm-hmm. if this is looking back to old Testament prophecy, that's 650 years old, then they, you know, they're going to be able to see that God has already foreseen all of this and that they have an assurance and they have a hope. And that's, that's kind of part of the, uh, awesome, I guess, promises that we get through prophecy is that God has already got a plan with all of this. Yeah. Could you imagine, could you imagine being a first century Jew reading this? Like, because just above what you mentioned, Brent, he says something something that would have been crazy to them. He says, um, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are built up as a spiritual house, right? To be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes into that scripture. Yeah. Like these people that were very wrapped up in temple. Now this isn't necessarily Peter's audience here, but like in general, imagine being a reader. You're very caught up in the whole temple idea. Like God lives here and you know, the temples, what in me? And then, and then he says, you know, that that they're a holy priesthood. Yeah. What? I'm a what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And these are Gentile believers, too. Right. So, like, these aren't people that are would be able to boast in their Judaism at all. These are people that are Gentiles, and, and Peter is giving them this yes. identity. This, yeah. this makes it worse. Because you could only be a priest <laughs> if you were in the line of Levi. Yeah. So, like, a lot of Jews weren't in that line. Mm-hmm. So now Gentiles outside of the Jewish faith are now being told, you're a priest. Yes. What? And that's what I'm saying. Could you imagine your first century Jew, and Peter's talking to Gentiles, telling Gentiles that they are a priesthood and that they are a temple. These guys must have been pulling their hair out, like, what are you talking about? You know? (laughs) And and, And the crazy thing is that the temple model was everywhere. I mean... That was the pantheon. You know, you had all the the you had the Greek gods, you had the Roman gods, you had temples everywhere. And and so to to call people temples was that's just not the way things worked. You yeah. would go to a temple, you would go to worship, there would be some sort of idol or image set up, except in Jerusalem where there would be no image. It would just be, you know, and a couple of plates and bowls and things like that in the Holy of Holies. And that was unique and different. Mm-hmm. But everywhere else, there was always this God and you would come, that was this image that you would come and worship and you would bring sacrifices to. And this is, this is, no, this is people. People are this. And, and this is what was so unique because it elevated the value of people over the value of gods that yeah. people would worship. Yep. They would worship nature. They would worship all kinds of things. And what he's saying is that, no, 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 we are the pinnacle of of God's creation, that God made us in our image. And that means that we need to then show that by the way we live. We need to show that by the way we honor the authorities. We need to show that by the way that we work yeah. and by the way our households are set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's why it's so important that we, I mean, Peter says in chapter one, be holy because God's holy. 
And what holy means, it's not perfect. Holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy means sacred and mm-hmm. set apart. Holy means different. So as God is different, be different as well. You know, not in an offensive way, because Peter says nothing about being offensive to people. Right. Yeah. He says, if anything, avoid offenses. Above all else, be the one that takes the offense to serve and love people, mm-hmm. because then they'll be able to see the love of the Heavenly Father through you. And, and But I think it really, I mean, it, the central theme that I'm getting out of this is that if I'm not hoping in the assurance and the promises of Jesus and everything that he's done for me and the life that he lived, and I'm like letting, I'm just banking everything on Jesus and living like I'm going to always be in conflict. You know, I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to like when bad things happen or like when my family gets threatened or when things happen, I'm going to start to, I'm going to just kind of waft a little bit. And I mean, I'm not going through any of the stuff that these people are going (laughs) through. And so you can imagine that unless our hope is securely found in the work of Jesus and the promises that we get through Jesus, that we are connected and have peace with God, then we it's going to be hard for us to live like this, and or it's going to be hard for us to just kind of maintain that, uh, I guess that course and that when we have so much other stuff going on, and I think that's why we have to live so carefully. Mm-hmm. We have to be constantly evaluating how we're living how what our conduct is like towards other people uh he even says that like in verse 12 keep your conduct among the gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you so like this is when they're slandering people as evildoers they're just going to see their good deeds and they're just gonna be like man well they're still great people you know i don't like them i don't like what they believe (laughs) you know i think they're i think they're crazy but but man they they really love people you know and they serve people and, and so uh, that's where I think that uh, is so powerful. That's when we begin to, I mean, you know, we just read about it in the book of James, you know, faith without works is dead, you know, and I think that that's where, prob- that's where we get to activate so much of what we believe is by how we treat people. Well, I got to jump in on there because you, you hit a verse I wanted to talk about too, and James, go figure. Because mm-hmm. when we read this um, here in, in, in 1 Peter 2, uh, at the beginning, it looks confusing. Um, because when they say, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now, a lot of us read that and we go, oh, no. Because I don't believe that that hooey. I don't believe that <laughs> stuff about losing your salvation. So like, so what do we do? You know, and then, then he says, um, indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So these guys have been what we would call saved. So what are we talking about with these guys growing into their salvation? What are we talking about with James that that you know faith without works is dead? What what is what is what in the world is Paul talking about when he says that um uh, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Mm-hmm. So these verses that they I, I when I was studying this, I to be honest, I should have got into the stuff about the cornerstones and been able to answer Brent's question fantastically instead of fumbling <laughs> it like a like a sissy girl. Yeah. But um but no, I I looked at I looked at these verses here and and I got stuck because I'm like you know Peter what are you talking about dude my my salvation's pure and it's and it's and it's great and I have my eternal destiny sealed man I'm going to argue with Peter right so I had to kind of look at this thing and kind of figure it out and I realized that when you get saved I hate using those words but whatever <laughs> when when you get saved 
a couple things happen. One, your eternal eternal destiny is sealed. That does happen, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay, right? And, and what happens for <laughs> Capital us? Capital Y. Yes. No, here's the thing, Brent. What ends up happening is most of us Christians think that's what salvation is, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. But it's not it. He's gone. There's more, right? <laughs> there's. But wait, there's more. The Holy you you become alive and awakened and aware of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's a thing that we don't talk about that happens with salvation. But guess what? That doesn't mean that you are a master of this relationship with God, that yeah. you and the Holy Spirit are just going down the red zone and having, you know, a, a dinner together, right? Right. You haven't been completed. Your salvation isn't complete. Yes, your eternal destiny is complete. And you guys aren't seeing, I'm using my hands as I talk. You should, <laughs> you should be able to see this. But... But no, your your eternal destiny is sealed, but your relationship is is not complete. Your salvation is not complete. So when he's talking about this, that there is room to grow, and James is saying that there is room to work, right? Mm-hmm. So we can work to uh, the maturity of our salvation. Yeah, we should work it out with fear and trembling as we mature in the Lord. So your so your salvation is both secure, and we're working on it. So that sounds like like it's. Two different things because it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that. So I spent all my time on that. You're welcome. That's all I got. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Well, I mean, you know, anytime that I see now uh, the reference to spiritual milk, that's what tipped me off. And when I asked you guys for context, where I said I think he's talking to people who are new believers mm-hmm. who are just beginning their journey, and I, I, I was trying to like relay this to somebody that's a newer believer that's just coming to understand. Uh, what faith is um, just a couple months ago. And the best analogy, and I apologize if I said this already on here, but the best analogy I could come up with was like, you know, modern day movie stuff, things that we know that we can link that'll be a good analogy, was like a kung fu master taking on a new person to train. Mm-hmm. You know, we are that brand new person that doesn't know anything about it yet when we are first saved. And we have to be trained up through the process of our life from relationship with the Holy Spirit, but also through others who are further along in their journey than we are, which is part of the reason that we do this podcast, so that people can, if you're new to the faith, you can listen to what we're saying, trying to help it make sense to you, so that you can understand and grow. And that's what it is. It's 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 starting at zero mm-hmm. and growing for the rest of your life. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, that's kind of a... a, a in my opinion, a good analogy of explaining to people what it is, what this walk in faith is, so that you, when you're later in life, you can take people under your wing and help bring them up. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus called us to do when he said to make, go make disciples and yeah. teach them everything that I've taught you. You know, yeah. it was this passing on from one to the next, and it could be like a Mr. Miyagi thing where you're yeah. doing chores <laughs> for somebody, right? Cleaning their car, like wax on, wax <laughs> off, and then all of a sudden, you know, it all clicks. Yeah. But uh, I love the I love the Kung Fu <laughs> reference, by the way. That's like, Thanks. that's that's too. brilliant. Uh, but, but I think you're, you're right. And then there has to be, uh, I think, part of us as, as believers, there is... There's an a a calling. It's not even just like an optional thing. It's a calling that we need to imitate Jesus and then allow other people to watch us 
watch us imitate him and then learn from us and then pass that down to them. Yeah. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's basically saying, hey, I'm following Christ. You imitate me as I'm following Christ, and then you teach others to do the same. And so it is. It, it, so there's, there is this growing. And uh, Ephesians 4 says the whole point of this is so that we'll all look like Christ. We'll all grow in the maturity that eventually we'll just look more and more like Christ. And Peter says the exact same things. He says, follow in the footsteps. He says, follow in the footsteps of Christ. When it, uh, hold on, I, I had it here and then I lost it. Uh, Sounded yes. like me today. I know, right? Here. Verse 21, which I love this because this this to me steps up to a really cool part. It says, uh, uh, for this you have been called because Christ has also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you must follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was there deceit in his mouth. Uh, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. and He continued to entrust himself to him. He's talking about God who judges justly. And this to me is is really applicable really, really applicable for us, especially in a culture where we uh, do not let offenses slide. You know, no one can talk bad about us, man. Social media, you know, I mean, like if anybody starts talking bad about us, it's time to launch the uh, time. Yeah. I mean, like (laughs) it's like, go ahead, hit the mortars, social media mortars, and let's go ahead and lob some bombs back at them. Right. Media mortars. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, that's a cool. That's kind of a cool. We're tossing SMMs today. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So. So anyways, and but he's saying follow in the footsteps of Christ, who even though he experienced all kinds of injustice all kinds of insults, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, uh, relational pain, cut off from everything. He experienced all of that. But what did he do? He entrusted himself to God who always judges justly. And so I think that who are we looking to enact justice for us? Mm, man. Are we looking to ourselves to be the ones that show that make sure that justice is served. And I'm not talking about just like that. We don't need police officers then or things like that. Like we, like just before that, he talks about honoring the emperor because the emperor is the one that punishes people that do evil. All right. So there's, there's governments and order has been set up so that evil people actually do get punished. Right. But as for us, when people offend us, who is, who are we turning to for justice? Because if we are not entrusting our case up to the Heavenly Father, we are not walking in the footsteps of Christ. We're, we're, we're doing our own justice. We're making sure that we're judge, jury, and executioner. And what that does is that puts, that puts in the same place this power struggle, this hunger that we have to go ahead and avenge the wrongs that are going on. And, and so I think that in our way, we don't have some of the suffering that this church is going through, yes. mm-hmm. but... In this area, we can absolutely change. We can absolutely show that we are followers of Christ by who we count on for our own personal justice. Because if we are, if you are, if I or we are unable to forgive people when they wrong us, then basically we are not allowing God to be the one that is going to enact justice. And we're not allowing Jesus to come into the, We're not walking in the footsteps of Jesus because Jesus, as he's dying, forgives yeah. the people. He's the son of God, and they are literally murdering him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. He's showing compassion. And we have a hard time forgiving somebody who talks bad about us on Facebook. Guys, yeah. that's that's not right. 
that we can't do this. We can't do this. Like we're drop, we are really dropping the ball when it comes to this part of justice and social media and, and taking up a cause, man, Oh, I'm going <laughs> to keep going and it's going to get, keep getting well, worse. Let me throw something in there with it, though, <laughs> just just to balance this thing just a bit, because I don't think that at the same time we're called to complete inaction. Right. I mean, there are still some causes to get behind. And the, the difficult thing, this goes back to what I talked about a while ago, is maturing in the spirit. There are times when the Holy Spirit might lead you to, to a, a revolution. Right. Yeah. I mean. Again, the slate. If there was no one that felt called to lead a lead a revolution, we would still have slavery in this country. Mm-hmm. Jim Crow would still be, you know, alive and well in in ways that that it was, you know, a time ago. So, there are times when when we need to lead a revolution. But here's the thing: it's probably not over your Facebook post, right? <laughs> yeah. It's probably not over that. So maybe we should should. If we're, if we're thinking that and we're so angry and we're thinking that we need to do something now about whatever situation it is that we're, that we're all upset about, like we talked about before we recorded the podcast, maybe it is time to fast mm-hmm. and pray. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for you to take it very seriously, not just lash out on social media. Take it seriously. Fast about it. Pray about it. Get in touch with the spirit. The sp- I can't talk today, guys. It's all good. <laughs> Get in touch with the spirit and figure out what you should do. Yeah. And I think part of the, and I, I agree with that, Michael, and I, I don't want you to, I, I don't want it to be communicated that like you should just be a doormat constantly because I think God calls us to take up the social justice. Like he calls us to love people and to like go, go to the, go to bat to the oppressed, to the ones that are the orphans, the widows, mm-hmm. you know, all of them, all the downcasts in our society, we are supposed to be champions for them. And I think this goes back to what Peter's saying at the very beginning is what are you, if through your passion for justice, what are you hoping will happen? Are you hoping that your side of the government will bring peace to life in life in our country? That's the wrong hope. I'm sorry. It's the wrong hope. Yeah. Our hope needs to be that Jesus will become will come alive and will be glorified and will be seen in so many people that we interact with. Because if we hope in that and we hope in what God is doing in in eternity and also in here and now, then yes, we will definitely f- want to fight injustice. The moral rev- the, how morality looks in our country right now is based on the fact of what these people were doing in first century mm-hmm. drew. Uh, uh, the first century world, because the world then was not what it is now. I mean, it was barbaric. It was power makes right. And there was no opportunity for women. There's no opportunity for children. There was no no advocates for anything. It was always about power makes right. And I'm going to, I'm stronger than you are, so I will rule over you. And that's not what Jesus came to. And so what we experience right now the blessings that we have in, in in with the quality of life, with the value of life, is all Christian. It's all based on what Jesus established, and, and so. But so when we are, but going back to what are we hoping? Like what are we hoping right. to, to really see? Because if we're hoping in that God is glorified, and that we have so much eternal riches and destiny and great things yes. coming for and us, hope. then our sense of own maybe personal. Uh, injustice and judge jury executioner can probably take a back seat and we can start taking up the cause of other people that may be struggling and may be oppressed, you know? 
Yeah. I got one last thing to throw out there with this because because Daniel hit on, on something important about you know first century, and I can't think of the word either right now. <laughs> first century uh, Christianity, first century, whatever. But um, the thing is, is timing matters because I, I, I don't want to skip over this because I think that if we did it, we do it injustice, and people might call us out. Why'd you skip over this? This talks about slavery again, right? And and it seems that that Peter's like, hey, just stick with it, and no big deal. Timing matters. This doesn't mean that slavery is all good and that, that they, these guys need to just be enslaved forever. And we've talked in previous podcasts that a lot of this stuff is bond servants, and we, you can go through the archives and dig out those <laughs> discussions. But but the point is, these guys were looking at, at tough times. This might not have been the time to lead a revolution to, to end slavery, right? So what you're called to do, or not called to do, but what you're thinking about doing, right? Whatever big thing that, that you're so focused on, just when you pray, pray about the timing of it. Because God might lead you to do something wonderful in 10 years from now, and it might not be the time. So when you're praying about it, not only figure out, is this right or is this wrong? God, what is your timing on this? Mm-hmm. Because because Peter didn't encourage slaves to escape, right? Why? The timing of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's my last thought. I know I, we talk too much, but uh, <laughs> that's my last thought. All right. Now I'll go ahead and pray us out. Um, sorry for my nasally voice today, guys. It's all um, good, man. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Father, we just offer this conversation, this time up to you. Uh, do with it what you will. Uh, God, we just ask you in our lives for ourselves and for those listening, God, that you would always uh, be an assistance of us to keep us on the straight and narrow path, to keep us on your path that you would have us on, God. Um, Let our hope always be in you, in all that we do. Let our eyes always be turned to you for the the solution of everything that we face, Um, that we remember that you are the solution to all. Um, God, we just ask you um, that you would help us to always remember to stay in communication with you, Um, to always be speaking to you, and more importantly, to always be listening to you. Let our hearts always be turned to you, God, and let you be the focal point of all that we do. Um, God, above all that we ask you for, we just hope that you are lifted up. We give you our time, and we give you this podcast, God, that you will be glorified and that more people will come to know you. So we just ask you to bless this as we bless you, God. So in your name, we just we thank you, and we love you, and we are just so amazingly blessed and appreciative of who you are and your love for us, God. Just let that spread through the world. So, God, we just thank you and lift you up in your name. Amen. 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 Uh, Guys, that is the end of another episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. We are getting closer to the holidays. um, So, happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas already. (laughs) It is that time of year. So, uh, (laughs) Christmas um, music is already here, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's the most wonderful time of the world, (laughs) of the year. But, uh, yeah, I love it. Like my kids, my wife and I, we are all jamming to Christmas music Bob. already. So <laughs> there's one in every group, right? Um, but anyway, go out and love on each other and love your families. Um, spend time together and um, just in any ways that you can, glorify God and lift him up and share him with other people. Um, so until we talk to you next week, have a good one. We'll see you then. <laughs>